0: section twenty of the ego and his own this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information and to volunteer please visit librivox.org the ego and his own by max sterner section twenty the owner i do i come to myself and mine through liberism whom does the liberal look upon as his equal man the only man and that you are anyway and the liberal calls you his brother he asks very little about your private opinions and private follies if only he can espy man in you but as he takes little heed of what you are privatim, nay in a strict following out of his principles sets no value at all on it he sees in you only what you are generatim in other words he sees in you Not you, but the species. Not Tom or Jim, but man. Not the real or unique one, but your essence, your concept. Not the bodily man, but the spirit. As Tom, you would not be his equal, because he is Jim. Therefore, not Tom. As man, you are the same that he is. And since as Tom, you virtually do not exist at all for him so far to wit as he is a liberal and not unconsciously an egoist he has really made brother love very easy for him he loves in you not tom of whom he knows nothing and wants to know nothing but man to see in you and me nothing further than men that is running the christian way of looking at things according to which one is for the other nothing but a concept, e.g., a man called to salvation, etc., into the ground. Christianity, probably so called, gathers us under a less utterly general concept. There we are sons of God, and led by the Spirit of God. Yet not all can boast of being God's sons, but the same Spirit, which witnesses to our spirit that we are sons of God, reveals also, who are the sons of the devil. Consequently, to be a son of God, one must not be a son of the devil. The sonship of God excluded certain men. To be sons of men, i.e. men, on the contrary, we need nothing but to belong to the human species, need only to be specimens of the same species. What I am as this, I is no concern of yours as a good liberal but it is my private affair alone enough that we are both sons of one and the same mother to wit the human species as a son of man I am your equal what am I now to you perhaps this bodily eye as I walk and stand anything but that this bodily eye with its thoughts decisions and passions Is in your eyes a private affair which is no concern of yours it is an affair by itself as an affair for you there exists only my concept my generic concept only the man who as he is called Tom could just as well be Joe or dick you see in me not me the bodily man but an unreal thing the spook i.e. a man In the course of the Christian centuries we declared the most various persons to be our equals, but each time in the measure of that spirit which we expected from them, e.g. each one in whom the spirit of the need of redemption may be assumed, then latter each one who has the spirit of integrity, finally each one who shows a human spirit and a human face, Thus, the fundamental principle of equality varied. Equality being now conceived as equally of the human spirit, there has certainly been discovered an equality that includes all men. For who could deny that we men have a human spirit, i.e. no other than a human? But are we on that account further on now than in the beginning of Christianity? Then we were to have a divine spirit, now a human. But if the divine did not exhaust us, how should the human wholly express what we are? Fjordach, e.g., thinks that if he humanizes the divine, he has found the truth. No, if God has given us pain, man is capable of pinching us still more torturingly. The long and the short of it is this that we are men is the slightest thing about us, and has significance only insofar as it is one of our equalities, i.e. our property. I am indeed among other things a man, as I am, e.g., a living being, therefore an animal or a European, a berliner, etc. But he who chose to have regard for me only as a man or as a berliner, would pay me a regard that would be very unimportant to me, and wherefore, because he would have regarded only for one of my qualities, not for me. It is just so with the spirit too. A Christian spirit, an upright spirit, etc., may well be my acquired quality, my property, but I am not this spirit, it is mine, not I its hence we have in liberalism only the continuation of the old christian depreciation of the i the bodily tom instead of taking me as i am one looks solely at my property my qualities and enters into marriage bonds with me only for the sake of my possessions one marries as it were what i have not what i am the christian takes hold of my spirit The liberal of my humanity. But if the spirit which is not regarded as the property of the bodily ego, but as the proper ego itself, is a ghost, then the man too, who is not recognized as my quality, but as the proper I, is nothing but a spook, a thought, a concept. Therefore the liberal too revolves in the same circle as the Christian, because the spirit of mankind i.e. man dwells in you you are a man as when the spirit of christ dwells in you you are a christian but because it dwells in you only as a second ego even though it be as your proper or better ego it remains otherworldly to you and you have to strive to become holy man a striving just as fruitless as the christians too became wholly a blessed spirit one can now, after the liberism have proclaimed man, declare openly that herewith was only completed the constant carrying out of Christianity, and that in truth Christianity set itself no other task from the start than to realize man, the true man. Hence then the illusion that Christianity ascribes an infinite value to the ego, as e.g., in the doctrine of immortality, in the cure of souls, etc., comes to light. No, it assigns this value to man alone. Only man is immortal, and only because I am man, am I too immortal? In fact, Christianity had to teach that no one is lost, just as a liberalism, too, puts on all equality as men. But that eternity, like this equality, applied... Only to the man in me, not to me. Only as the bearer and harbourer of man do I not die. As notoriously the king never dies, Louis dies, but the king remains. I die, but my spirit, man, remains. To identify me now entirely with man, the demand has been invented and stated that I must become a real generic being. The human religion is only the last metamorphosis of the Christian religion. For liberalism is a religion because it separates my essence from me and sets it above me, because it exalts man to the same extent as any other religion does its god or idol, because it makes what is mine into something otherworldly, because, in general, it makes out of what is mine, out of my qualities and my property, something alien to wit an essence in short because it sets me beneath man and thereby creates for me a vocation but liberalism declares itself a religion in form too when it demands for this supreme being man a zeal of faith a faith that some day will at last provide its fiery zeal too a zeal that will be invincible but as liberalism is a human religion its professor takes a tolerant attitude towards the professor of any other Catholic, Jewess, etc., as Frederick the Great did towards everyone who performed his duties as a subject, whatever fashion of becoming blessed he might be inclined towards. This religion is now to be raised to the rank of the generally customary one, and separated from the others as mere private follies toward which, besides, one takes a highly liberal attitude on account of their unessentialness. One may call it the state religion, the religion of the three-state, not in the sense hitherto current that it is the one favoured or privileged by the state, but as that religion which the three-state not only has the right, but is compelled to demand from each of those who belong to it, let him be privatim, a Jew, a Christian, or anything else. For it does the same service to the state as filial of piety to the family. If the family is to be recognized and maintained in its existing condition by each one of those who belong to it, then to him the tie of blood must be sacred. And his feeling for it must be that of piety, of respect for the ties of blood, by which every blood relation becomes to him a concentrated person. So also as to every member of the state community, this community must be sacred, and the concept which is the highest to the state must likewise be the highest to him. But what concept is the highest to the state? Doubtless that of being a really human society, a society in which every one who is really a man, i e not an unman, can obtain admission as a member. Let a state's tolerance go ever so far toward an unman, and toward what is inhuman it ceases. And yet this unman is a man, yet the inhuman itself is something human, yes, possibly only to a man, not to any beast, it is, in fact, something possible to man. But although every unhuman is a man, yet the state excludes him, i.e. locks him up or transforms him from a fellow of the state into a fellow of the prison, fellow of the lunatic asylum or hospital according to communism. To say in blunt words what an unman is not particularly hard. It is a man who does not correspond to the conceptions of man, as the inhuman is something human which is not conformed to the concept of the human. Logic calls this a self-contradictory judgment. Would it be permissible for one to pronounce this judgment that one can be a man without being a man? if he did not admit the hypothesis that the concept of man can be separated from the existence, the essence, from the appearance. They say he appears indeed as a man, but is not a man. Men have passed this self-contradictory judgment through a long line of centuries. Nay, what is still more, in this long time there were only unmen. What individual can have corresponded to his concept? Christianity knows only one man, and this one, Christ, is at once an unman, again in the reverse sense, to wit, a superhuman man, a God. Only the unman is a real man. Men that are not men, what should they be but ghosts? Every real man, because he does not correspond to the concept of man, or because he is not a generic man is a spook but do I still remain an unman even if I bring man who towered above me and remained otherworldly to me only as my ideal my task my essence or concepts down to be my quality my own and inherent in me so that man is nothing else than my humanity my human existence and everything that I do is human precisely because I do it, but not because it corresponds to the concept man. I am really man, and be unman in one, for I am a man, and at the same time more than a man, i.e. I am the ego of this my mere quality. It had to come to this at last, but it was no longer merely demanded of us to be Christians, but to become men for though we could never really become even Christians, but always remained poor sinners, for the Christian was an unattainable ideal too. Yet in this the contradictionists did not come before our conscience so, and the illusion was easier than now one of us, who are men, act humanely, yes, cannot do otherwise than be such an act so. The demand is made that we are to men real men. Our estates of the day, because they still have all sorts of things sticking to them, left from their churchly mother, do indeed load those who belong to them with various obligations, e.g. churchly religiousness, which properly do not a bit concern them. The states, yet on the whole, they do not deny their significance, since they want to be looked upon as human societies, in which man as man can be a member even if he is less privileged than other members most of them admit adherents of every religious sect and receive people without distinction of race or nation jews turks moors etc can become french citizens in the act of reception therefore the state looks only to see whether one is a man the church as a society of believers could not receive every man into her bosom the state as a society of men can but when the state has carried its principle clear through of presupposing in its constituents nothing but that they are men even the north americans still presuppose in theirs that they have religion at least the religion of integrity of responsibility then it has dug its grave While it will fancy that those whom it possesses are, without exception, men, these have meanwhile become, without exception, egoists, each of whom utilizes it according to his egoistic powers and ends. Against the egoists human society is wrecked, for they no longer have to do with each other now as men, but appear egoistically as an I against a you, altogether different from me and in opposition to me. If the state must count on our humanity, it is the same if one says it must count on our morality. Seeing man in each other and acting as men toward each other is called moral behaviour. This is every whit the spiritual love of Christianity. For if I see man in you, as in myself I see man, and nothing but man, then I care for you as I would care for myself. For we represent, you see, nothing but the mathematical proposition A equals C, and B equals C. Consequently, A equals B, i.e. I, nothing but man, and you, nothing but man, Consequently, and I, you, the same, morality is incompatible with egoism, because the former does not allow validity to me, but only to the man in me. But if the state is a society of men, not a union of egos, each of whom has only himself before his eyes, then it cannot last without morality, and must insist on morality. Therefore we too, state and I are enemies. I, the egoist, have not at heart the welfare of this human society. I sacrifice nothing to it. I only utilise it. But to be able to utilise it completely, I transform it rather into my property and my creature, i.e. I annihilate it, and form in its place the union of egoists so to the state betrays its enmity to me by demanding that i be a man which presupposes that i may also not be a man but rank it for as an unman it imposes being a man upon me as a duty further it desires me to do nothing along with which it cannot last so its permanence is to be sacred for me then i am not to be an egoist but a respectable, upright, i.e. moral man. Enough! Before it and its permanence, I am to be important and respectful. This state, not a present one indeed, but still in need of being first created, is the ideal of advancing liberalism. There is to come to essence a true society of men, in which every man finds room, Liberalism means to realize man, i.e. create a world for him, and this should be the human world or the general, communistic society of men. It was said the church could regard only the spirit, the state is to regard the whole man. But is not man spirit? The kernel of the state is simply man. This unreality and itself is only a society of men. The world which the believer, believing spirit, creates is called church. The world which the man, human or humane spirit, creates is called state. But that is not my world. I never execute anything human in the abstract, but always my own things. My human act is diverse from every other human act, and only by this diversity is it a real act belonging to me. The human in it is an abstraction, and as such, spirit, i.e., abstracted essence. Bruno Brahe states, e.g., Judenfrange, page 84, that the church of criticism is the final truth, and in fact the truth sought for by Christianity itself. To wit, man, he says, the history of the Christian world is the history of the supreme fight for truth for in it and in it only the thing at issue is the discovery of the final or the primal truth man and freedom all right let us accept this game and let us take man as the ultimately found resort of christian history and of the religious or ideal efforts of man in general now who is man I am man, the end and outcome of Christianity, is as I, the beginning and raw material of the new history, a history of enjoyment after the history of sacrifices, a history not of man or humanity, but of me. Man ranks as the general. Now then, I and the egoistic are the really general, since every one is an egoist and of paramount importance to himself. The Jewish is not the purely egoistic, because the Jew still divides himself to Jehovah. The Christian is not, because the Christian lives on the grace of God and subjects himself to him. As Jew and as Christian alike, a man satisfies only certain of his wants, only a certain need, not himself. A half-egoism, because the egoism of half a man, who is half he, half Jew, or half his own proprietor, half a slave. Therefore, too, Jew and Christian always halfway exclude each other, i.e., as men they recognize each other, as slaves they exclude each other, because they are servants of two different masters. If they could be complete egoists, they would exclude each other wholly, and hold together so much the more firmly. Their ignominy is not that they exclude each other, but that this is done only halfway. Bruno Buhr, on the contrary, thinks Jews and Christians cannot regard and treat each other as men, till they give up a separate essence which parts them and obligates them to eternal separation recognize the general essence of man and regard this as their true essence. According to his representations, the defect of the Jews and the Christians alike lies in their wanting to be and have something particular instead of only being men and endeavouring after what is human, to wit, the general rights of man. He thinks their fundamental error consists in the belief that they are privileged, possesses prerogatives, in general, in the belief of prerogative. In opposition to this, he holds up to them the general rights of man. The rights of man? Man is man in general, and in so far everyone who is a man. Now everyone is to have the eternal rights of man, and according to the opinion of the communism, enjoy them in the complete democracy or, as it ought more correctly to be called, anthropocracy. But it is I alone who have everything that I procure for myself. As man I have nothing. People would like to give every man an affluence of all good, merely because he has the title man. But I put the accent on me, not on my being man. Man is something only as my quality, property, like masculinity or femininity, the ancients found the ideal in one's being male in the full sense. Their virtue is virtues, anerity, i.e., manliness. What is one to think of a woman who should want only to be a perfectly woman? That is not given to all, and many a one would therein be fixing for herself an unattainable goal. Femininity, on the other hand, She is, anyhow, by nature. Femininity is her quality, and she does not need true femininity. I am a man just as the earth is a star. As ridiculous as it would be to set the earth the task of being a thorough star, so ridiculous is it to burden me with the call to be a thorough man. When Fichet says, the ego is all, This seems to harmonize perfectly with my thesis, but it is not that the ego is all, but the ego destroys all, and only the self-dissolving ego, the never-being ego, the finite ego, is really I. Fichet speaks of the absolute ego, but I speak of me, the transitory ego. How natural is the supposition that man and ego mean the same? and yet one sees e g by fuhrbach that the expression in man is to designate the absolute ego the species not the transitory individual ego egoism and humanity humaneness ought to mean the same but according to fuhrbach the individual can only lift himself above the limits of his individuality but not above the laws the positive ordinances of his species. But the species is nothing, and if the individual lifts himself above the limits of his individuality, this is rather his very self as an individual. He exists only in raising himself. He exists only in not remaining what he is, otherwise he would be done dead. Man with the great M is only an ideal. The species only something thought of. To be a man is not to realise the ideal of man, but present oneself the individual. It is not how I realise the generally human that needs to be my task, but how I satisfy myself. I am my species, I am without norm, without law, without model, etc. It is possible that I can make very little out of myself. But this little is everything, and it is better than what I allow to be made out of me by the might of others, by the training of custom, religion, the laws, the state. Better if the talk is to be of better at all. Better an unmannerly child than an old head on young shoulders. Better a mulish man than a man compliant in everything. The unmannerly and mulish fellow is still on the way to form himself according to his own will. The prematurely knowing and compliant one is determined by the species, the general demands. The species is law to him, he is determined by it. For what else is the species to him but his destiny, his calling? Whether I look to humanity, the species, in order to strive toward this ideal, or to god and christ with like endeavor where is the essential dissimilarity at most the former is more washed out than the latter as the individual is the whole of nature so he is the whole of the species too everything that i do think in short my expression or manifestation is indeed conditioned by what i am the jew e.g can will only thus or thus, can present himself only thus, the Christian can present and manifest himself only Christianly, etc. If it were possible that you could be a Jew or Christian, you would indeed bring out only what was Jewish or Christian. But it is not possible in the most rigorous conduct you yet remain an egoist, a sinner against that concept, i.e., You are not the precise equivalent of Jew. Now, because the egoistic always keeps peeping through, people have inquired for a more perfect concept, which should really wholly express what you are, and which, because it is your true nature, should contain all the laws of your activity. The most perfect thing of the kind has been attained in man. As a Jew you are too little, and the Jewish is not your task. To be a Greek, a German, does not suffice. But be a man, then you have everything. Look upon the human as your calling. Now I know what is expected of me, and the new catechism can be written. The subject is again subjected to the predicate. The individual to something general. The dominion is again secured to an idea and the foundation made for a new religion. This is a step forward in the domain of religion, and in particular of Christianity, not a step out beyond it. To step out beyond it leads into the unspeakable. For me, poetry language has no word, and the word, the logos, is to me a mere word. My essence is sought for, if not the Jew, the German, etc., then at any rate it is the man. Man is my essence. I am repulsive or repugnant to myself. I have a horror and loathing of myself. I am a horror to myself, or I am never enough for myself and never do enough to satisfy myself. From such feelings spring self-dissolution or self-criticism. Religiousness begins with self-renunciation ends with completed criticism. I am possessed and want to get rid of the evil spirit. How do I set about it? I fearlessly commit the sin that seems to the Christian the most dire, the sin and blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. He who blasphemes the Holy Spirit has no forgiveness for ever, but is liable to the eternal judgment. I want no forgiveness, and am not afraid of the judgment. Man is the last evil spirit or spook, the most deceptive or most intimate, the craftiest liar with honest mien, the father of lies. The egoist, turning against the demands and concepts of the present, executes pitilessly the most measureless desecration, nothing is holy to him. It would be foolish to assert that there is no power above mine. Only the attitude that I take toward it will be quite another than that of the religious age. I shall be the enemy of every high power, while religion teaches us to make it our friend and be humble toward it. The desecrator puts forth his strength against every fear of God, For fear of God would determine him in everything that he left standing as sacred, whether it is the God or the man that exercises the hallowing power in the God-man, whether, therefore, anything is held sacred for God's sake or humanity's. This does not change the fear of God, since man is revered as supreme essence, as much as on the specifically religious standpoint God as supreme essence, calls for our fear and reverence, both over all us. The fear of God in the proper sense was shaken long ago, and a more or less conscious atheism, externally recognisable by a widespread unchurchliness, has involuntarily become the mode. But what was taken from God has been superadded to man, and the power of humanity grew greater in just the degree that of piety lost weight. Man is the God of today, and fear of man has taken the place of the old fear of God. But because man represents only another supreme being, nothing in fact has taken place but a metamorphosis in the supreme being, and the fear of man is merely an altered form of the fear of God. Our atheists, are pious people, in the so-called feudal times, we held everything as a fief from God. In the liberal period, the same feudal relation exists with man. God was the Lord, now man is the Lord. God was the mediator, now man is. God was the spirit, now man is. In this threefold met God, the feudal relation, as experienced the transformation. For now, firstly, we hold as a thief from all-powerful man our power, which, because it comes from a higher, it is not called power or might, but right, the right of man. We further hold as a thief from him our position in the world, for he, the mediator, mediates our intercourse with others, which therefore may not be otherwise than human. Finally we hold as a thief from him ourselves, to wit our own value, for all that we are worth, inasmuch as we are worth nothing, when he does not dwell in us, and when or where we are not human. The power is man's, the world is man's, I am man's. But I am not still unrestrained from declaring myself the entitler, the mediator, and the own self then it runs thus. My power is my property. My power gives me property. My power am I myself, and through it am I my property. End of section 20. Recording by Elaine Webb, Bristol, England.